Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Boomer, and Redcast Rob. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gassers, and I'm with Boomer. Well, I'd just like to say uh, there's not a lot of empirical data out there that says this podcast is going to work, but uh, we're going to power through this, and you know we're all Nebraskans, and we'll make it happen. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, also with Redcast Rob. I'm not sure if I really have a hot take this evening, except for the fact that I am thoroughly enjoying what Hoiberg is doing with this basketball team. I still see a lot of potential with them, and I will continue to tweet positive thoughts out there. And all I have to say to all you haters out there is, come at me, bro. <laughs> right, guess Rob's trying to stay positive after a uh, tough loss to Creighton. Uh, hockey has not taken the loss as well. He's decided to uh, step away, at least momentarily, <laughs> so he doesn't uh, get in trouble with, uh, you know, the uh, FCC or anything on whoever regulates podcasts. Wait a second. No one does. Why isn't he on here swearing right now? I don't get it. I would um, like to put a PSA out to uh, anybody who lives in the Roca area out there in Nebraska. <laughs> if you could go check all of the local water towers for us and let us know if you see somebody up there on, on any of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would yeah. be Honky does like water towers in general. So I could, I could make some sense. Well, guys, uh, we'll get to the basketball here um, quick enough, um, but we also have football to cover, and we'll do some uh, some betcast picks at the end. Probably focus mainly on on Big Ten, and maybe if there's a better two out there that we want to highlight. But um, you know, we took last week off; uh, it was a bye week uh, football wise, and uh, we were just warming up basketball wise, Boomer. But we did lose our first game of the year. Um, to Western Illinois, and we bounced back and be Sam Houston State, and we were optimistic, hopefully, that they could uh, take care of Creighton tonight, and that would kind of uh, absolve that that opening night loss. But um, lo and behold, it, it didn't happen, did it? We uh, lost to Creighton for the ninth time in 10 years. So let's talk basketball first here. Um, how disappointed are you? Yeah, Dave, I could only just say, uh, like when Chekhov, Talked about the long winter. He saw winter dark and bereft of hope, and that's kind of the way I'm feeling here now. It's just, uh, I know it's not winter yet, but man, that just deflated the whole season. Kind of the way we started with that sluggish game against Western Illinois and didn't play all that great against Sam Houston. And just starting that game against Creighton like we have just so many other times against them when you're just getting, you just spot them so many points to start a game. You just take the crowd right out of it and, just make make such a deep hole for yourself. I mean, I give him a lot of credit for fighting and coming back and making a game of it, at least making it, you know, respectable by halftime and respectable second half. But geez, you're just we make it so hard on ourselves and it's just Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's just disappointing. I just I don't know what else to say on this. This is probably your best shot at Creighton in years and Yeah, it's just where we're at. Yeah. So. Yeah. A lot of people have been saying, Oh, Creighton's down, blah, blah, blah. big turnover on the roster, but I think it's still Creighton and McDermott does a good job of restocking that that roster and had some nice kind of grad transfers that uh, came through for him uh, tonight. Uh, Rob, you're relatively optimistic on the team overall, though, even though we lost uh, Trey McGowan tonight to a broken foot, you still feel like uh, they have a lot of potential in them, huh? 
Well, they're going to have to step up, that's for sure. But yeah, I mean, so some of the things that I, some of the takeaways from this, all right, like I never thought that they were going to be Creighton. I realized a lot of people thought that this was the chance, and I get that. But Creighton is just a consistent program, top to bottom. Even they said it on the broadcast, too. You know, Creighton had like, I think they had like two, two six year seniors on their team. They've got, and one of them was like a seven footer who basically shoots about 70% from the field. Um, you know, but, what I will say is that after the first 10 minutes, when they were down, whatever it was, 29 to 10, um, you know, they ended up only losing by eight. So if you look at it like that, the last 30 minutes of the game, they won by 11. Good for them. But what really killed them, they, I mean, they ended up shooting 37.1% or something like that from the field. And night. I think it was 29 of 71 was what they were in field goals. And you can't, shoot 10 of 29 i think it was from three and you can't shoot like that and expect to win the game i mean you make you make four more of those shots five more of those shots and you win i mean that's that's as simple as that right i mean if you can just get over 40 percent shooting in this game you win the game and they couldn't do that defensively i thought that they were fine they had um they had something like uh, nine steals. They had, or, or something like that. They had eleven turnovers. Is that right? Um, overall, More than they had sixteen turnovers. Oh, sixteen turnovers. Yeah, and they had twenty. They had twenty-five points off of turnovers, which is great. Mm-hmm. Anytime you can get around one, one and a half points per turnover, you're playing good basketball. But shooting ten of twenty-nine from three. Um, I remember somebody here. I think it was you, Dave, that said that, or maybe it was you, Boomer, that said that. Um, Hoiberg doesn't like contested twos, you know, or something along that. And that's correct. That's great. But I, you know, offensively, I didn't like their their ball movement. I didn't didn't enjoy the way that they were they were kicking around for a majority of the game. It just felt like they were playing really stiff on the offensive side of the ball. But on the defensive side of the ball, I thought they played fine. Most of the most of where I'm getting beat up on Twitter tonight after after my tweet after the game about the fact that I saw some positives in this is people talking about the defense. Obviously they don't know anything about basketball and that's fine. That's Twitter for you. Most of those people don't know anything about anything anyway, but I thought that the team from a defensive standpoint, if the goal of Hoiberg is to turn good defense into offense, he's on the right track. They just need to convert on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fair, Rob. I mean, I mean, Creighton got 77 points. That's that's a, maybe a little bit more than acceptable, but not not disastrous. It's not like Creighton ran up and down the f- floor against us. They did, uh, you know, get a lot of open looks early in the game, and that's what led to their their run. But that was in part because of Nebraska not actually executing on the offensive end of the, of the court themselves, right? And so, um, you know, that changed when we. You know, uh, Webster comes in, has a nice um, jolt of energy there. Uh, the ball movement got better, and they got a lot of lot of shots, and they knocked them down. And then ultimately in the second half, you know, I mean, Webster uh, sits on the bench initially but comes in. Everybody's going to make a big deal about that, but that's just rotational basketball, I guess. But um, we just didn't make shots when we had an opportunity to take the lead. I think there's two or three possessions there, right, guys, where we actually had the ball and we're down one and we missed two layups, essentially. Um, you know, who knows what happens if you make those, but you don't and you got to move on. So, 
I mean, looking forward, uh, they have four games that they just need to, you know, win, figure out how to start uh, playing better together. I mean, number one concern when you essentially reconstruct your roster year over year is they don't know how to play together. Uh, we are seeing it again. You got to get some some energy there. One of the hopes that, that this team had was that you had Trey and Bryce McGowan, two brothers that probably have played a lot of basketball together. Um which would fix that, and you don't because now Trey is out. I don't know if that's season-ending or not, but um, it's it's going to take a while for a broken foot, obviously. So um, we'll see where they're at. Um, they'll have the ACC Big Ten Challenge against NC State in early December, and then they're off to the uh, Big Ten play right off the bat. So won't be a lot of time to, to regroup. So. All right, guys. Well, uh, hopefully we have better days ahead in Nebraska basketball. It feels like it's far away, but um, maybe it's around the corner. Um, Football-wise, we took last week off. and um, yeah, Good thing nothing happened in that by yeah, week. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm sh- Honky wanted to do the show, and uh, I just I needed a week off just to recharge because I had gone to the Ohio State game, and, you know, uh, first home game in a few years for myself. Uh, it was a good time. Honky got some great seats for us. Thanks, Honk, for buying those tickets. I appreciate it, buddy. Um, but uh, end of the day, we um, lose to Ohio State this time by slightly more than one score, nine points. Uh, but it was out there for us. Again, uh, we had the ball inside the red zone in the fourth quarter, down by six. We missed two field goals. Um, let a lot of opportunities out there. Um and um, uh, ultimately, it leads to um, an announcement last Monday uh, that Frost is being retained by Trev Alberts, a restructured contract, and the dismissal of four offensive coaches. Uh, Boomer, um, I guess the bottom line is, is it going to work? Uh, you want the hopeful answer, Dave, of Nebraska Blenders, or do you want the – I'm Throwing those well, away why, and going with uh, real analysis no, that's, this time that's as opposed to all year. You know? I've got I've got both. I can I can take it both ways myself, right? So why don't each one of us try? We'll start with Boomer, then Rob, and then myself. Um, argue at both angles, like this is never going to work, or this is why it's going to work. So Boomer, why do you think it's it's not going to work? Well, I mean, I guess I would argue it's not going to work because just the sheer weight of history says it isn't. Uh, we've all seen the articles for the last few you know, weeks about all the coaching staffs that start with this kind of a record where you start with four losing seasons and how few of them ever actually take it to that next level and actually ever, you know, realistically, when we say turn the program around or rebuild it, that's actually a sustained success. And it basically right. just does not happen. Um, it just, there isn't any record of it. it. This would be the outlier of outliers to turn this around and suddenly make this a competitive program where we're competing for, you know, division titles, let alone conference and playoff appearances here on out. It just, it's nothing that ever really happens in college football in the last 50 years. So that would be a very, very big turnaround. Um, we just haven't seen a lot of evidence of it. And, you know, you worry As that this our is... AD has told us. Right. right. Yeah, he, he straight up said so, yeah, that this is not, not likely to work. So that I, I wasn't sure how to interpret that when I heard Trev say that. It's 
don't know if that's a huge vote of confidence or if that's just he's just being honest, which I guess I appreciate in a way. Um, and plus, you worry that, you know, we hear this is probably the most experienced team you're realistically ever going to have just based on the weird circumstances of COVID oh. and how many times players have been back. And we have six year players on this team. Uh, you know, and, and this is where we're at. We're at three wins. We've beaten one power five team this year. I mean, one. That's that's not good, Dave. I mean, no. yeah, we have got a lot of close no. losses. But your one win is against a really bad Northwestern team. That's that's not good. And, you know, we look at, yeah, we have a lot of one-score losses. But then I look at a team like Illinois. You know, they're, what are they, uh, four and, what is yeah, their record? four and no. six, I think. Four and six. You know how many one-score losses they have? Four. They're four plays away from being eight and two. Does anyone talk about that as being some great marker of a of a great team? And they're a first year coach with a guy that looks like you know older version of Butthead and who came down with COVID. <laughs> I guess. Uh, I mean, if we're using them, kind of, I mean, we have to use them as a benchmark because we kind of do because we've been losing to them lately. We're I don't even know if we're at their level at this point. We're playing about the same. It's and they've beaten yeah. Penn State. They've beaten Minnesota this year, and we haven't even done that. So that's that's the apprehensive part of me, I guess. So if, we, if we're taking the negative end, that's I'll throw that right. out there. So. so where's the positive, Boomer? I mean, the positive, I guess you've got. Uh, I mean, you've got a athletic department that's willing to give it time. I mean, which is what a lot of people say they want. You know, it's time to rebuild. Um, we're taking a stab at some sort of reorganization. Um, you know, we fired the offensive staff and. You know, I want to do another offensive coordinator. Uh, I mean, we all honestly knew Frost was basically running the offense and calling the place for the it's most like he part. He fired himself, really. Yeah, essentially fired himself. If he follows through with it, I'll be, yeah, but that'll be the tough part if he actually does that and is really capable of handing it off to somebody and trusting somebody to it's do it. That's, that's why this hire is going to be interesting to see who he goes with. He's either really going to have to trust somebody and actually let it go, or yeah, I don't know if, if he'll be, you know, constitutionally capable of doing that so that'll be interesting to see and you know that's part of the challenge too this will be his what third offensive coordinator he's hired in essentially four or five years i mean is that yeah he has another right. great track record of success on that but again it's a complete you know 180 from what we've said we've been doing offensively so it'll either work or it won't and i guess we'll find out next year so yeah yeah all right rob you're on the clock um your your negative and your positive take well, my negative about it, I don't know that I really have a negative about it. I have not enjoyed anything the offense, is, offense has done all season long. And quite frankly, if Frost did get the extension and then didn't fire anybody on the offensive side of the ball, then I would have a lot of negative things to say. And mostly, sure. uh, mostly they would have been about Frost. But I'm actually happy to see maybe what they can do because – I'll I'll put my sales manager hat back on when I got hired into my old department here. And, you know, what you do is you take a look what's working and what's not working. You get rid of what's not working. And then you try to bring in some fresh people that can give you a new perspective on, you know, maybe what they see from the outside going on in inside your program. They could probably take a look at a lot of the tape and say, you know, we should be using this guy or that guy or doing this more, or using this guy more like this. And for all you know, they come in, everybody gets a little bit of a lift, a little rejuvenated, and, you know, maybe the offense works. Because I'll tell you, the defense has been playing out of their minds all season long, you know, and but they can't be expected to to carry the load for this team. So I'm looking forward to see 
what it's like. Because even Frost, I believe he said he was going to try to take a step away from make, being the play caller. It's too hard to run the offense and be a head coach. Yep, right? more CEO-like. More CEO-like. That's right. He'll be more like the sales manager. Um, <laughs> and so... And so I'm excited to see, right? I don't really have anything negative to say because at this point we've said enough of the negative, you know, and, and I'm a pessimistic optimist and I'm always going to be a little bit weary about what's going on, but, but I'm always like looking for the positive outcome and things, right? You know, I'm, I'm not the top sales guy in my company for no reason. So, you <laughs> know, right. yeah. So I like it, know, Rob. I like it. Y- yeah, you know, and and, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to 2022. Um, I'm sure I'll be sick of talking about it by the time the season kicks off next year. Maybe I'll try and get out for some spring ball again this year and, you know, get get rejuvenated with that. But uh, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, I've, I've heard a few people on Twitter and in social media talking about like who they think should be the coach. Um, and then West Virginia just fired their coach. Was that today? I where yesterday? Protected. Virginia, Virginia Tech. Or, or Virginia Tech that's it. Sorry, Virginia Tech fired their coach. What yesterday or today? And all these yep. days blend together anymore. Um, and he's offensive minded. That'd be an interesting hire, right? I mean, you never know. It's it's. I mean, he wasn't even a we horrible head coach. We can run down a list of names here after uh, um, we get through this. And uh, okay. That's, so, yeah, that's uh, that's good. Sure. You know, Boomer and I are notorious at just randomly coming up with a list of names. Well, that's the only name I know. So actually, you guys are gonna have a good time talking about that. And then you know, I'm just you know, basically just BSing my way through that part. All right. Well, um, I'll I'll try to wrap this up here with the the negative and positive from my perspective. And the negative for me is is similar to Boomer's. Right. Just the empirical data does not tell us that this likely would work. Um, And I think there's I mean, there's a lot of reasons why. Um, I mean, especially from from a um, from a culture and offensive uh, mentality standpoint, it it is hard to imagine uh, Frost completely stepping away. And I mean, we can make changes on the different position coaches, um, but ultimately, it lies at, at you know, uh, Scott Frost's feet on the, the, the failure, I guess, of this offense to score more than, you know, 20 points plus or minus in, in most of our games. And and so that's that's who we're keeping as the head coach. Ultimately, that's who we brought in to, you know, have an explosive offense on. And at times you see that, but they just, it doesn't actually finish the job in the Big Ten in particular. So um, I don't know why we think that it's actually going to really change. I mean, and, you know, I mean, firing coaches every few years is uh, um, can be a self-fulfilling prophecy to say that that, well, no one actually succeeds if you give them year four or year five or year six because they never get that. Right. But, um, you know, it's probably likely if you look at other blue bloods that have gone through tough, tough um eras like Alabama, even they went through a lot of coaches in a very short amount of time. Um, and so, um, you know, and honestly, I think we get, I think we have a complex on this a little bit. Like we, we gave, I mean, Frank, the whole question of whether you should have fired Solich or not is a different story. He had six years, hopefully he had seven, um, in, in this day and age, that's a lifetime for goodness sakes. Um, and then Riley only had three and Riley, I mean, that, that's a, I mean, it was so obvious to most people. It's not even really a question. So 
And they, they had him fired a couple games in his third season. I mean, really, yeah. he had about two yeah. point two seasons, really. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair to say. Uh, you know, the the positive side for me is that this is a grand experiment, right? I mean, <clears throat> if you think about it, and you think of Trev only four months into the job, but he knows what he wants to establish as culture within the athletic department. And if he does actually see a lot of positive culture building things that's been established by Scott Frost for four years in the football program, but for some reason they didn't manifest themselves into wins, uh, you step back and say like, well, I mean, if, if we like the program uh, building aspect of the Scott Frost regime, we just, and the defense to Rob's point, the defense has worked right. Even in the, in the big 10, I mean, you keep, Chenander, and it seems like we could have a, a pretty good defense from here on out. I mean, they'll have years that are up and down. Next year might be slightly slightly down because they're not quite as experienced, but I think the scheme and the X's and O's and the and you know, I mean, we just need to find a pass rusher essentially, right? I mean, that that defense works. You fix the offense, and if you like the culture, um, not now you, you maybe you have something. It almost feels like in a weird way. It's like you're trying to take the Wisconsin model, which actually is the Nebraska model, um, but with Alvarez, he had 20 years to establish his culture, his winning winning mentality of what Wisconsin football is, all that type of stuff. Um, then he stepped back and became AD. And then every coach since then, even Gary Anderson, who had a different offensive philosophy at Utah State before he got to Wisconsin, essentially ran the same Nebraska or the same Wisconsin scheme right the defense has always stayed the same even all the different coordinators have changed jim leonard is not dave aranda but they run the same defense um and so you you take that like longevity that idea of stability within a program and you say like that's what we're going to try to emulate how do you fast forward that well you can have that by just the ad that's what wisconsin has with with Barry Alvarez, but since Trev's only been here for four months and he's not a head coach himself, um, if you like what Frost has done from a culture standpoint, what you're trying to say here is that that maybe from a from a program like a caretaking of the program, Frost has all the right motives and insights on how it's worked in the past. It's just his offensive philosophy has not translated to the Big Ten. So if you allow him to find the right offensive coordinator, um, he essentially becomes uh, this kind of like like Barry Alvarez-like, like, you know, it's just the culture that I'm here to install. It's, it's not the offensive philosophy or the defensive philosophy. It's the, the culture uh, and how to run the program. Um, it, it's, I, it, to Boomer's point, it's probably going to fail. It's got a 1% chance of working. But if it does work... It would be something completely different that no one else has really done in this manner that you are like, like the culture is more important than anything else in Frost. Actually, to his credit, I didn't think he would do this, to be honest with you, but to his credit has seemed to put being the Nebraska head coach ahead of kind of defending his, his offensive philosophy and scheme, which if he was trying to just get to his next job, that's what he would have done. But actually, he didn't. He actually said, I'm going to – let's see if he does this. But if he actually gives up control of the offense, that's a really big step. So 
I, I, it's, it's an intriguing scenario. I don't know if it's going to work. The odds are it, it won't. But I guess we at least get one year, right, Boomer, to see if it if it if it happens. Yeah, I mean, one year is. Yeah, you can debate whether he's going to get one year or two years. We've kind of got those invisible metrics out there, which nobody really knows what they are, which I doubt there's any actual metric, and it's just whatever happens to be going on at the time. And I, I think, you know, yes, you mentioned, Dave, about how Scott's kind of maybe giving up his offensive scheme, I think. That's why I think who he hires as offensive coordinator will be a real key. Is he really giving up that offensive scheme, or is he just going to find somebody else that kind of already meshes with that? and just runs it for him because, you know, a name I, I hear batted around would be uh, Mark Helfrich, his old boss at Oregon. That would not be a good hire. No, I mean, I agree. but you know, and I worry good. that that's what is that the kind of guy he's going to pick because he says he wants somebody he's comfortable with and he can trust. I mean, is he going to go for a complete outsider that he knows and never had a relationship with? Or is he going to look for somebody like that where he's got that relationship and it's not going to be a complete shift on offense that's, because he's not, you know, realistically, you're not going to have a ton of time to really rebuild and retool and get another four years to no. start a whole new offense. No. You can't realistically expect that. I yeah. mean, maybe later we can talk about what we consider a success next year. But that's the big question. I mean, what, what, where do you go with this offensive hire? Do you try to find something that's similar-ish to what you do? I know some people have that dream idea. Let's bring on the Army offensive coordinator. Yeah. No, we're not doing yeah. that. I mean, let's be realistic, folks. That's no, I happening. agree. I mean, if, if, I mean, <clears throat> if they feel like they need to have success immediately – a drastic change is probably not the best solution because you're not going to be having the, the roster to do that. Right. And so, I mean, that's a, that would be a a bigger risk. Um, But I I think if it's too close to the vest, if it's, it's it's Mark Helfrich, who I would have, I was advocating for two years ago um, and, and didn't happen. um, I, I would be disappointed with that. Uh, someone else that I think could be a, a viable option would be someone like Tom Herman, who maybe he's already in the running for other other uh, head coaching gigs. But if he wants to, um, you know, have another couple of years to rebuild a reputation and be an offensive coordinator in the Big Ten, which he was quite successful at was Ohio State um, before he went to off to Houston and Texas. Uh, that that could be a extremely viable now viable offense that is enough like the Scott Frost offense, but different enough that it would be outside of his tree. Let's say put it that way, right? And then you you I mean I think you also have uh, if if Herman is is hiring his staff, you have uh, Ed Ed Warner who is uh, one of the best offensive line coaches in the country um, and has been an OC himself. Um, I think could be a viable candidate as as the O-line coach. Now you got something that we don't have Ohio State talent, surely, but we do have a couple of coaches that probably could could um, potentially, um, you know, install that run first power run game that Honky would love so much that still has that spread, um, you know, mobile quarterback type um, scheme to it. So, I mean, I think that would be a, a logical hire, and I, I think, you know, we'd want to pay pay those guys quite a bit if they could actually pull it off. Yeah, those would be names I, you know, was thinking about too. And heck, I wouldn't have been opposed to Herman being the head coach if you know Alberts yeah. had made a different decision. I mean, he's had a good track record of success at a couple schools, and I think Texas and their crazy boosters probably jumped the gun on 
whacking him and as yes, and they're reaping the benefits did. of that this year with uh, Sark's uh, quality work there. And good job, Kansas. <laughs> yeah, that over-under paid off, folks. That was the best over-under bet ever. So that, good job, Jayhawks. We'll talk about that later in the betcast, I'm sure. But, uh, mm. yeah, and, and I guess, you know, it also kind of depends what you're looking for in this offensive coordinator because, you know, if you do hire somebody like Herman and he does get things turned around in a year or two, I can't imagine he'd be here very long. So you kind of have to weigh that, too. Yeah. What are you looking for? Is it, I mean, you're not going to get that. You establish reestablish yeah. that and then you you know bring people along that can keep it up right yeah but i suppose you know and but like we were all anticipating this is like a one or two year shot at best to turn yep. this around so maybe if that's all you need just to turn it around and survive for two more years then that's what you have to do i also you know, think that bringing in a, a high profile oc also helps maybe a a QB transfer portal scenario where you bring somebody in right that um, yeah. could fit the system. Yeah, and certainly you know might kind of bump up recruiting too because you know we we've got to mention it before this this next year's class isn't exactly you know barn burners they're counting heavily on you know freshmen that we have on hand and uh, yep. transfer portal folk in there so. And, you know, that, that can start bleeding into future seasons if you don't have a highly rated class this year and things seem to be sluggish and, you know, that, that stuff, that's, you know, one of the challenges when you are a, a team that's had four or five losing seasons in a row, that becomes self-fulfilling and it gets really hard to turn that reputation around recruiting-wise. So you kind of do need somebody to kind of juice that, that into the, yeah. the game up again, too. So, yeah. you know, you know maybe uh, do look for someone like that. Uh, Herman obviously has was just a Texas coach last year. So, I mean, there's plenty of uh, guys on that roster that he recruited that could be um, interested in, in a transfer scenario. I saw that Josh Moore, who was someone that was highly interested in Nebraska under the Riley regime, went to Texas, um, um, entered the transfer portal last week. So there's options like that all over the place. Um, I'm sure there's other other coaches out there that could be viable offensive coordinators. Um, that one I saw from one of the papers, Kurt Soraka, the guy from who was at Penn State just last year, but also was at Minnesota with PJ Fleck and had a really again a, a power run game out of the spread could make a lot of sense. Um, so there's lots of options out there. Um, it should be really interesting to see how this plays out. Rob. <laughs> Oh, I was just going to say one other thing, though, Dave. I mean, we talked about defense being so much better. Do you worry about uh, Chenander getting looked at by teams? To, it, yeah, maybe as a head coach I'm job? Sh- I mean, because if he I wants to strike know. with Aaron's hot, I mean, he's up for, you know, Burrell's awards and things like that. I mean, does he's he not gonna start thinking about it? He's going to win the Burrell's award because yeah. you don't award the Burrell's award as a team that goes 3-9. and nine. Hey, we're the so, best 3-9 and nine team ever, Dave. So. It's true. Um, we're not 3-9 and nine yet, so, yeah. We could be three and nine. Well, that's even if we end up being five and seven, you typically would not give the Broyles Award to a team that goes five and seven. I guess I don't know if you could look that up, but my sense is the Broyles Award usually goes to a team that you know has a, a New Year's Six type um, bowl game type season. So I don't know if I'm that worried about Shenander, especially if you know. Um, what he's getting paid, which I believe is 800000 is not that much less than most of the Mac jobs. And, you know, Frost convinced him to, to stay around at least one more year to, to get us where we, you know, want to go. I think he'd probably do that for him. I think he owes Scott Frost a lot in his coaching career at this present moment. So I, I would be a little surprised if he leaves. I wouldn't be surprised if we give him a pay raise to, you know, um, kind of hold him over. But, I mean, I, I just don't think – 
Chandler's going to go to, he's not going to get like some big power five gig right off the bat. I mean, I think it would be a, a, a Mac type level gig. So, I mean, I think you have to just kind of weigh those expectations out. Hey Dave, Felix Hernandez went Cy Young with 13 wins one year. Okay. That's true. He also had an ERA of like, I don't know, below two. I mean, I remember that year. He was phenomenal. He was on my fantasy uh, team. Um, but um, my point yeah. is sometimes the 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 oh big numbers that people look at like wins and losses aren't always telling the whole story, right? At least that's the kind of crap I tell myself when I talk about Nebraska football. <laughs> well, Steve Sarkeesian won the Braille's Award last year, Dave. So if that tells you anything, so maybe you don't want to win this. And Bob Diaco won it in 2012. So yes. maybe it's yes. best just to let that slide. Yeah. Let, let the Braille's slide. Um. Now, I think Troy Walters was up for it. Or did he win it, potentially? I can't remember. No, I don't think he ever won it, no. I mean, Tom Herman won it, Lincoln Riley, and, you know, Brett Venables won. So, you know, there's lots of actual legit people that have won it. But, yeah, it's it's all over the place. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Rob, uh, you you were mentioning uh, Virginia Tech. I mean, Justin Fuentes would be another name that potentially could be out there, but um, really don't. Don't know that situation. That's pretty fluid, obviously. But yeah. I mean, the point is there is that there's a lot of options uh, out there uh, that you could explore, um, which would bring at least a different perspective, fresh ideas, as Scott uh, said, to the offensive uh, game planning. Yeah, and you guys pretty much backed up my point too on there, where you know find somebody who can you know seize the potential and the talent that we do have, and has a way to work with it um, to, you know, hopefully bring some success very quickly. Right. I mean, that's, isn't that the hope? That's what we want. Yeah. That'd be another advantage again of hiring someone like Fuente, Rob is, I would imagine that some Virginia tech guys are going to want to transfer out. Right. Yeah. So you never know. Yep. Yep. Well, anyway, um, other things we want to, to to cover on the on the coaching change do we boomer do we expect this probably to happen shortly after thanksgiving i think you have to because i mean you've got that early signing period but what's the is it the 15th or 22nd of december yeah what is early signing this year i mean and just with all the head coaching changes and things going on i think if you've got people that wind up interested in the job you want to get them down on on paper as quick as you can. I mean, this is it's, the point it's chaos this year with coaching. So there's going to be people flying all over the place. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the point of, of making the change last Monday was to be in a position to have coaches back on the recruiting trail, um, right after Thanksgiving. Right. So I, if they don't execute it, that would be a, a surprising and be somewhat disappointing unless they have some big name sitting back there. Um, you know, to, to, that they have to wait on, I guess. But yeah, I think that the intent is you had to get out there and, and recruit these last two weeks um, to kind of fill out the, the class and already start working on the, the transfer portal scenario. I think it's really going to be really interesting. The transfer portal after the last game of the season could, it's just like a free agent market. Practically. I'd be really intrigued uh, of how many, how many guys are out there and what that actually looks like. Yeah. And that'll be another one of those, uh, I guess, positives possibly with all the the head coaching changes especially some big schools i mean there's could sure. be a lot of players that are looking to, USC, to move around and lsu yeah in florida, florida could have some dominoes fall and that'll you know that'll change a lot of things too yes there's a lot of possibility for players out there so 
should be interesting. A perfect thing for a CEO style coach to try to manage. Exactly. I'm telling you, it's the grand experiment. Um, all right, guys. Uh, anything else before we move on to the BetCast? No, I think it's good. I like it. <laughs> all right, I'm sorry guys. we went into this with no plan whatsoever, kind of like Zero Nebraska plans. football, so I, I like it. So, yeah. But here we are. Here Apparently we are. like Nebraska basketball, too. Hey, women's basketball has been outstanding. Oh, so women's far, basketball, right? let's give a shout-out to them, man. They, yep. uh so, I mean, they're just on fire. I mean, good grief. So, yeah, I might have go to a few games this year. Maybe they will. Maybe they, they'll they beat Creighton. I think they play them tomorrow. So maybe yeah, They do. I'm looking right forward to that, actually. So, yep. Yeah, I, I may pull that up on Big Ten Plus tomorrow myself. I, I actually subscribed to Nebraska uh, oh, to Big Ten go. Plus this year um, to watch a well, little bit more basketball. You know, it's really a shame the conference doesn't make any money and they can't do better with these kind of games like that rather than putting on some weird random Internet subscription-only thing run by – you know, random kids at the university to, to announce the games, you know, it's just a shame well, the Big does Ten doesn't have resources. Well, their academic mission, Boomer. True. Um, Good point, Dave. Yep. That, so that's fair. let's not be too harsh on the for, uh, student for broadcasters. For some reason, the, the, the other night, the, the, the game the other night, I, I swear to God, Aaron Sorensen was, was calling that game on the TV broadcast, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. I kept hearing him say Aaron or something on there, but I was also walking around Target with my headphones and listening to the TV broadcast for some reason because I had the Big Ten network up on my phone. So, Well, um, it's quite possible, Rob. I mean, the uh, I typically watch Big Ten Plus for uh, Nebraska baseball, and that is often uh, students, but sometimes they actually have um, a full broadcast on there. So that uh, does happen. So I'm not, not completely surprised. Uh, that was a little segue into baseball. We did see the full baseball schedule out. Before we go to the bedcast, let's talk about that. Um, a typical mid-February start. Um, a really strong non-conference, I would say, overall with uh, TCU, Long Beach State, San Diego State. Um, New Mexico a few other, was on yeah, there, I think. Yeah, it's a weird like, a, like late BYU series too. You know? BYU yeah, had, at home. They had yeah. a one one game away against Kansas State. I saw that too. That's like, a standard, that's pretty typical that's though. Typical, yeah, Rob, standard midweek game because they're close. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just thought that they would at least like have like a second game in there somewhere. They do. But, we play them at a home a month later. Yeah. And oh, Oral okay. Roberts is thrown in there just for some fun, but they're you know solid. But man, a good pile of home games this year. So that's that. The, the kind of promising, yeah. slate is impressive, and hopefully folks can get out and, and see some of those games. Hopefully the weather holds the up. The weather, yeah. Let's hope the weather holds up. tricky. Yeah. Um, what, a, what a great stadium, too. I went out there last year and watched a game during uh, when I went out for the spring game, and it was nice. so, much, so much fun. Um, I mean, it was still kind of – there were still some COVID restriction stuff going on and everything, wearing masks in the concourse, all that. Um you know, there wasn't a huge food selection. That was a little bit weird. But the stadium overall and just the views from around the entire thing were, were awesome. I, I've never really been to a college baseball game in a stadium that also, you know, fits uh, minor league baseball, too. Right. And and so yep, sure. that was oh, yeah. that was a really fun experience. So for any of the Redcasters out there that haven't been to a Nebraska baseball game at home. I mean, I, I highly suggest it. it is a blast. I yeah, it's that. a fun stadium. And, and, you know, it'd be the perfect place to, like, if you want to dabble in beer sales. I know, Trev, you're probably a regular listener. But, you know, just throw that out there. It might be a good place to try it. They do it for us all dogs games. You no know, reason you couldn't ramp they, it up there. And, they have the infrastructure. If, if they have the, they have the capa- technology, they can rebuild. So it can be done. So 
All right, guys. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to, to baseball season already. It's only a few months away. Welcome to the Go Big Betcast with Dave, Boomer, and Rob. Let's uh, turn our attention to the BetCast, and we will uh, tackle the Big Ten games and um, maybe a, a few others. I don't know what else we have on the slate, but let's let's start with uh, really potentially one of the games of the week overall, and it is uh, Michigan State visiting Ohio State. Uh, Michigan State finally has a, a loss on their their record. Went down to uh, the spoiler makers. Um, and uh, Ohio State did not suffer that same fate, uh, demolishing Purdue last week. Uh, Ohio State is favored by 19 points in this top 10 matchup, over under at 67. Uh, the spreads are just terribly intriguing on this, Boomer. I mean, we are a, a lesser uh, dog at home to Ohio State than Michigan State is uh, going to to Columbus. Michigan State was in fact only like a three-point favorite versus Purdue, if I remember right. And Ohio State was a 20-point favorite. So this, the guys in Vegas know something here, right? Um, but at the same time, I think Michigan State's a darn good football team overall. Uh, how you see this one playing out? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I mean, Ohio State's just, you know, they played great against Purdue. They shut down the Purdue rushing game, which, you know, wasn't great against us, but was capable and, they were able to run the ball effectively against Purdue, which is something they didn't really either do well or try to any extent against us. So I'll be curious to see how that goes. And yeah, this could be a, a tricky game for Sparty. I mean, they've kind of, they had that issue that loss to Purdue just is a killer for them with Ohio state and, you know, Michigan, you know, and the Michigan win, not really counting for anything. Apparently the the college football playoffs is Vardis. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you saw Ridiculous. him today. You're talking about how, yeah, the win is one thing, but if you look at other metrics, see, Michigan's still a better team, which, what are we doing here, folks? We could save everybody a lot of time and just, you know, go by looks here, but uh, that's a lot of points. I think it's just going to depend if, if Michigan State can establish anything consistently on the run to try to keep it close, but, you know, I'd expect Ohio State to win the game, so, but that is a, a lot of points, but I don't I don't know, so I'm, I'm not sold on it, but. Yeah. I could see Michigan State possibly pulling that off and winning by about 20. So. Ohio State covered last week easily versus Purdue. Rob? Yeah, I think Ohio State is probably going to gonna run away with this one. And I just wish the committee would come out and just straight up say that and basically just say, look, guys, the reason we didn't pick Michigan State this week is because they're going to lose to Ohio State this weekend and all this stupid talk about whether Michigan State is better than Michigan is going to be over with anyway so move on with your lives <laughs> that's what they're, they're they're telling us I guess uh, so we'll see. I mean, we'll see it's a 19 point spread and I'm pretty sure that Ohio State wins this by at least three scores so well you just tell Kansas that um, a big spread's impossible to overcome Rob <laughs> I'm just glad just I, didn't saying, bet on, I didn't bet saying. on Kansas last weekend. I, I didn't do a whole lot of betting last weekend. So you didn't take the uh, Kansas over under that I picked early on this year, Rob. No, pick the uh, over? I I think I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I did. I'd have to go through. I've got a lot of like so open bets. Boomer for, like, end of season stuff. So Boomer, you took the Kansas 
over uh, it was the over, yeah, over over was one right? so all you had was, to do it all they had to do was, it was like games. one or one and a half i think is what it was when either we, way i mean they i know it was one because you could push with that opening win against whatever scrub team they played so the worst you could do was probably push so and thank you kansas good job so yeah and once again i'd like to say i loved your uh fruit loops helmets they were they were outstanding so good job and then nil with uh kellogg's so that was with some of the oddest helmets i've ever seen and I don't even stand what it was. It was like a really scary looking version of the Jayhawk. Was, yeah, I guess if we're going to go with it, might as well go with scary. I mean, in, yeah. Here, in yeah. case you know, Why that not? was Toucan Sam, Dave. That That's his name, Toucan Sam. It, it was not was. really Toucan Sam. It was like this like demented Jayhawk. It had this it weird. Abso- it was absolutely like, Toucan Sam. And they it was were going a Frankenstein. At IL. I'm telling you, Boomer's on on it right there. All right. This, just, all right. Um, let's go with on. it, Dave. Yeah, let's um, take some of what I'm taking. All right. So uh, next game on the slate, also a, um, a a big noon kickoff, Eastern 11 Central. Uh, Purdue uh, trying to bounce back here. They are six and four, and I think they're still ranked against Northwestern at three and seven. There's a team I took the uh, season under on the win total, Boomer, and that's comfortable because it was at six and a half, and they are not going to reach that. Uh, spread here for this game, 11.5 points in favor of Purdue over under at 47. This is at, in Evanston. Boomer. Um, I don't know about the over under because I'm not convinced Northwestern will score much, but Purdue is usually good for a bounce back after a bad loss. I mean, it's kind of been their modus operandi this year. They lose to Notre Dame, beat Illinois. Lose to the Gophers, beat Iowa, lose to Wisconsin, beat a certain red scarlet team we won't name. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, then they lose to Ohio State. So in, in Northwesterns, they're just not good. I mean, they're, they're packed it in this year. I can't imagine Northwesterns playing for much of anything. So I think you could take Purdue and, you know, with the points on that and be all right. The, the over-under I wouldn't worry about too much because I just don't think Northwestern is going to score a lot of points. So you'd be counting on Purdue to put up a bunch. So, But all I right. think Purdue covers, yeah. Boomer's taking the cover. Rob. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Boomer on this one. Um, like he said, I, I don't see Northwestern playing for much. I mean, hey, Purdue's already bowl eligible, so now they're just playing for which bowl they're going to be in, right? So the better the record, the better the bowl. So, um, you know, I, of course, leave it to Purdue to be to lay an egg against Northwestern right this season. But sure. I mean, yeah, but I, I see them covering on this again. I, and I don't know about the over under 47 seems really high against a team like Northwestern that scores like three points a game. So they had seven was, last week, Rob. Oh, they had. Uh, well, you know, like I said, average is out. So, you know, so, um, you know, I think so. I mean, Purdue six and four, they have Northwestern here on Saturday then they would be playing Indiana for the old Oaken Bucket. Is that right, Boomer? That is correct. And the last weekend, Indiana's atrocious this year. So it seems like Purdue could be set up for an 8-4 and four season, which would be probably Brahms' best record. And he's that probably gets you, like, the, I don't know, Capital One Bowl or something at this point. So um, a lot to play for, I think, for, for Purdue, it seems like. All right, guys. Uh, also, an early game. Rutgers also trying to get bowl eligible. They're five and five, taking on Penn State. Uh, the Lions are licking their wounds with the, uh, the loss last week, six and four um, overall. 
spread here, Nittany Lions, by 18 over under at 46 and a half. Uh, that's a big, big number for Penn State to to carry, uh, especially with the offense that they bring to the table. Boomer, do you think uh, Penn State uh, can can cover that 18, or are you taking the Knights? That's a lot of points. I, I think Penn State wins, but I, 18 seems like a, a heck of a lot. I mean, you know, Penn State's just kind of – they've come so close these last few games, but at some point it's got to start wearing on them, you know, losing against Michigan, losing against Ohio State, losing to Illinois, losing to Iowa. I mean, it's got to weigh on you after a while. And – and, you know, I guess in Rutgers is heck, they're coming off a win, for goodness sakes, and playing for bowl eligibility. So I don't know if Rutgers wins this because I, I think they got a shot against Maryland at the end of the year. Those teams will be battering for bowl eligibility. Yeah. I think they both have five wins. So I think that's your that's your key for the Rutgers. You know, Terrapin's big clash for the quick lane bowl or whatever the heck the, the bottom yep, feeder bowl right. for the Big Ten is. And I, I, I imagine and Penn State's got better talent. They should win the game unless Franklin's, you know, running a U-Haul for whatever job he might be looking at. Um, but 18 might be a bit much, I think. So you might take Rutgers with the points, but Penn State wins the game outright. So that's, All right. that's my All call. Right. Rob? Um, I think Penn State blows him out. I mean, the only thing that I have to compare this to is Rutgers played Wisconsin a couple weeks ago um, and – they got blown out 52 to three against Wisconsin, right? Like the most boring defense in the history of the big 10 and, you know, outside of Iowa, but you know, that's Wisconsin uh, can run the ball again. Though. They can, but they can, run, they can run the ball. And I was going to say like the, the, that anyway, we'll talk about Wisconsin more in a minute, but um, yeah, the, and I think I see Penn state kind of taking a look at that game tape and saying, this is what we're going to do. Um, you know, on this one, because, you know, they, the Scarlet Knights, their their offense can be okay sometimes. But, I, again, I, I think Penn State's just going to walk away with this one. All right. All right. Rob's calling them for the blowout. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's a, a battle between you and Boomer. I, I would probably take Boomer's side there. I, I think it's going to be probably under the 18. All right. Uh, Illinois uh, going to Iowa City. Um Brett Bielema is not going to be with the team. He is uh, out with COVID-19. We have a spread of 13, just under the key number of 14 there, over under at a Big Ten glorious 38 and a half. Boomer, what do you think? Oh, man. that's a This is going to be a slugfest of just, just god-awfulness on offense. But... Uh, I don't know how to read this. You know, Bielema being out, I mean, Illinois is just an odd team this year. You know, they kind of line up in punt block formation sometimes, the nine linemen and one guy in the back, and it's just – I mean, Iowa should win the game, but what was the spread again on this one, Dave? What was that? 13. 13 That's points. a lot for what these teams have done. I mean, Iowa hasn't blown the doors off of anyone. I mean, gosh, it's what, Maryland, Maryland probably? Yeah, I mean, it's been – I mean, they squeaked by Penn State with injuries. They got clobbered by Purdue and Wisconsin and snuck by, you know, Northwestern and Minnesota. You know, if Minnesota had anything resembling a quarterback, they could have won that game. I mean, the stats in that game were nuts. I don't know how Iowa won that. <sighs> I, I, I wouldn't bet a whole lot in this game. I, I don't trust either team one way or the other. I Iowa should win, but – that's a lot of points, I think, for a game like this. This is going to be one of your ugly Big Ten classic 
you know, 17 to 10 games or something like that. So. Yeah, I'd probably take the under on this. It's a safer bet, 38 and a half. I think Illinois is playing for something because if they could win this game, which obviously would be a, a big victory for them because it would be their third, like, ranked team they would beat, they would then be playing Northwestern in last week, and they could get to 6-6, six and six, which would be a phenomenal season for them. I don't think and plus it would be hilariously funny if they beat Iowa. So. <laughs> it would be. It would be. Uh, Rob, uh, taking the spread or the over-under? Oh, man. I would love to see Illinois go out with a get-for-Brett kind of uh, – you know, attitude here and sure win one for the Gipper, um, you know, but <laughs> the over under is 38 and a half. Um, and I'm thinking under on that too. Like I was like, wow, 38 and a half. That's really high. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, 13. I don't know, man. I, you know what? This is my, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even touch this with a big 10 foot put here there you go yeah that's i'm staying away from this one yeah sounds good all right let's uh, move on to uh minnesota going to bloomington uh minnesota six and four uh, indiana two and eight we've got a seven and a half point spread in favor of the golden gophers on the road over under 43 and a half um boy yeah indiana just wheels have completely fallen off here um, Minnesota is about as hot and cold as you can imagine, but I feel like they'd probably be able to cover this. Boomer? Yeah, I mean, Minnesota's that team that plays kind of roughly at everybody's level. Uh, they're not, you know, world beaters by any stretch of the imagination, but they're better than Indiana. I mean, Indiana's playing for absolutely nothing at this point. I mean, Tanner Morgan is not the greatest quarterback in the world until he plays us when suddenly he's, you know, Johnny Unitas. But, you know, against Iowa, if, if they were at all capable, they, I mean, if, look at the stats of that game. They dominated that game and somehow managed to lose, which I, I, yeah. which I still don't understand. But uh, Minnesota's better than Iowa, or excuse me, better than Indiana. And the Hoosiers aren't playing for anything. Minnesota, do they still have an outside shot at the West if enough chaos happens? I don't know. Maybe. I think, I think so. Maybe, but. Yeah. Again, you're playing to get out of that quick lane bowl or whatever the heck's in Detroit this time of year. So Minnesota's still playing for something. Indiana's completely checked out. I can't imagine the Gophers lose this. So you might take them, and and they should cover that, I think. Rob, Gophers? Oh, Gophers all the way. Um, I'm actually thinking that I would I would almost take the over and, I mean, seven and a half. That's super low for this, too. I'd, I'd, I mean... I, I don't see why Minnesota isn't going to just, again, another blowout over Indiana here. I Indiana's got nothing left in the tank. And, you know, P.J. Fleck, right. if anything, is a good coach, and he'll get these guys motivated, and I think Minnesota's going to win. Okay. Oh, whatever, Rob. I think <laughs> Boomer's – I mean, Minnesota does play down to their level, so you never know, but it is only a touchdown, so I hear you. All right, let's uh, Michigan uh, coming off a big win here. Now nine and one, trying to get through to get to the game against Ohio State. Goes to College Park, Maryland to take on the Terrapins. We got a fifteen point spread for Michigan over under at fifty seven. Oh, that's a big number of the Big Ten, especially late in the year. Um, 
Boomer, what do you think here? 15 for Michigan. It's just over a key number. Uh, yeah, that's a interesting one. Because, I mean, like we covered before, Maryland's still theoretically playing for something here. They're they're 5-5, five and five, so they've got to win a game somewhere at the end between you know Michigan and Rutgers to try to get to a bowl. Uh, I mean, I guess if you believe Gary Barter and then, you know, the, the college football playoff committee, Michigan's clearly the better team than, than everybody else without even having to consider a game. So, I mean, Michigan State just beat Maryland by more than 15. So I'm going to say Michigan can probably yep. do the same. So let's go with that. I'm not super confident in it, but yeah, why not? So let's go with that. Sure, I mean, Michigan sure. will win, right. but... Rob? 15 is a lot. So, Yeah, I'm thinking – I don't think 15 is a lot at all on this, and I think that Michigan uses this as kind of uh, hopefully a statement game uh, with Michigan State about to lose. Michigan goes in there. They they cover the spread. They cover most of the uh, over-under on their own, and, you know, they go in there and prove why they're the number what, – what are they, five or six team in the – no, they're number six right now, number right? Six, number six, I believe. Number six, because Cincinnati's going to be the perpetual or the – what do you ever call it? The number five for all the way up until the day that they announce it, right? So <laughs> it's true. All right. Well, let's get to um, uh, our game of the week. And we have uh, our faithful Cornhuskers, three and seven on the year. Six and four against the spread, though. Um, going to Madison, take on uh, Wisconsin, 15th ranked Badgers are an eight and a half point favorite over under. Sitting at 42, this uh, spread has moved quite a bit back and forth. Uh, Boomer, we were having a conversation yesterday. I think it opened up around 10. Is that right? Yeah, um, I, I, I saw minus 10. Yeah. yeah, I saw FanDuel yesterday take it all the way down to seven and a half. So there's been a, quite a bit of action on this. Apparently, uh, I think now it's kind of settled in there that eight and a half number. Um, but uh, it's just a lot of movement. A lot of movement over under has also moved a little bit, but uh, Somewhere in that 41 to 42 is what you're typically seeing right now. Um, Boomer, I mean, that's, you know, right about where we would typically play a, a ranked team is just around uh, one score. Uh, one score would get you the under, though. So do you think Nebraska can uh, do that one more time here versus the Badgers? Yeah, I mean, I, this is a game I... If you had a gun to my head and told me to pick something, I might take the bullet. I mean, you just cannot. <laughs> There's so the many just variables in this. It's just Nebraska, we've fired half the offensive, you know, the entire offensive staff, but Frost is still calling the plays. You know, we're not playing for anything other than lame corporate-approved trophies, but maybe that kind of loosens everybody up and we play better. Uh, you know, Wisconsin's still legitimately playing for something. You know, we're coming off bye weeks and we have never done that well under under Frost and it's in Madison, which is hasn't been a recipe for success for us for a while. It's just I have no idea what to expect out of this game and just yeah, the spread I wouldn't touch at all. You know, if the under is a possibility, this could be another kind of slugfest sort of game. It's just there isn't anything I would bet really with any confidence in this game, so I have no idea what to expect on it, and just I'll watch with just interest, and that's about all I can do from here. So yeah. Well, the the bet cashers really appreciate that insight, Boomer. That's well, really I'm I'm being honest. I'm I'm trying to eliminate. You know, I, I picked Nebraska a few times this year, letting emotion rule over 
you know, common sense and I've paid for it every time. So I'm being honest here. This is, this is just impossible to predict with any sort of, you know, confidence. So yeah, fair yeah enough, this is low on my confidence scale. Yeah. Rob, will you like come you. out big. What do you got? Oh, Rob will, yeah. Rob will have a pick and it'll be, it'll be a hundred percent gung ho on it. So, all right. What's the strength of this Nebraska team this year, guys? Uh, we the don't defense. quit the defense, the defense, and the defense is going to win us this game. This is going to be the game. The defense comes out. We're going to see like a pick six or a fumble recovery, like deep in their territory. A couple of them, Nebraska 24, 17. This is going to be the game that defines the entire season for all of Nebraska and says, see, this was worth it. And now we're going to go into Iowa and beat those Hawkeyes. That's that's what I'm saying on this one, man. I am going 100% scarlet color glasses on this. The defense has been playing well enough to win us a game, and every game they've played well enough to win us, we've lost it. This is going to be the game that they go in, they play well enough to win the game for us. Screw an offensive coordinator. We're going to win with defense. Yeah, Robert, Wisconsin's giving up passing, right? I mean, yeah. They don't pass at all. Yeah, they, they, I mean, that's the key to winning this game. If, if we are going to win it, you have to try to, I mean, just sell out and stop that Wisconsin run well, and make Mertz when they, try to beat when you. They, when, yeah. I was going to say, when they do pass it, what usually happens? Well, yeah, early bad, on he wasn't good at things, it. Yeah, that's bad sure. things. And if you can it, get them in a hole, they're going to have to pass it, right? So oh, that'd they, be the key. Yeah, if we could get up yeah. uh, maybe 10 points on Wisconsin and force them to try to play catch-up. Because because then that's I mean, where you want them. But yeah, I mean, the one the one strength of the defense, too, is the run defense. Right. So, I mean, this is it. I'm telling you, you guys can disagree with me all you want. I I, I want to be right on this one. And I'm just going to say, you know, I can't wait to be like texting you guys on Saturday. I told you so. I hope you're right. Yeah, just I, I worry about a team like Wisconsin might be patient with the running game. Like Purdue was kind of patient yep. with it. They, they would run for three, four yards and they were right fine now. with it. You know, Boomer, Ohio State need, didn't run like they should have. I thought. I, I don't need one. your negativity right now, Boomer. I, I really so, don't appreciate they it. They want an honesty for the vetcasters. Keep your negativity to Twitter, all right, buddy? All right, we'll Rob. That, yeah. How much money are you actually putting down on this game, then? How much money am I putting down on this game? <sighs> well, I just refinanced the house. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, interest rates are at historic lows. So yeah, the wise financial hey, choice. Hey, we did a we did a uh, fifteen year at it's two and a half. It's cheap money, really. Yeah, it really is cheap money. And, They're practically and, and giving I, it away. And I do live in Greeley, Colorado, so it's not like I paid a lot for my house. You know, I pretty much uh, paid the same as you would living somewhere in the middle of Nebraska. So yeah. Um, I mean, I put down. You don't have to answer the question. Oh, okay. Because I was just I, trying I, to I was, illustrate the point that. Um, when you actually put real money down, it, it is a little bit harder to to be so bullish. Um, so I do appreciate uh, Boomer's um, cautious um, approach there. Um, I think the under might be the safest bet here, to be honest with you. I mean, Nebraska has been hitting the under game after game after game at this point, And I just don't see this becoming any sort of shootout. So even at 42, um, if we're going to win this game, it's going to be, you know, low low 20s is probably going to win you the game. So uh, that'd be my, my bet is to take the under at 42. Um, we'll see. We'll see. All right, guys, is there any other uh, bets out there uh, across the board that have uh, got you uh, intrigued in this early week? Eh, there were a couple I was looking at that I, I contemplated. Um, 
Being a one with the news today, Miami's a seven-point favorite over Virginia Tech. Do you think Virginia Tech throws in the towel this week? And so I've already thought about this one, Boomer. I appreciate you bringing this one up. I I took I went all in uh, a couple weeks ago versus with Baylor versus TCU because they had fired TCU had fired Gary Patterson and I'm like, well, take Baylor. TCU's going to cash this thing in. TCU goes and wins the game, right? So I'm almost thinking the opposite, that I think the Vodtech players are going to be motivated to prove the administration wrong and go out and and play for Justin Fuentes. So I'm I'm a little leery on on taking Miami on this one. Interesting. Well, they probably should have done that a few weeks ago if you're a Hokie player, but uh, that's just me. But uh, <laughs> I, I mean, there's just guys on Twitter saying, hey, we got two more winnable games. We're going to go out there and win them, right? You know? Yeah, that's true. Like, that's true. And I, I guess know. the other game I was looking at, um, kind of an oddball one, but the Tulsa versus Temple, the over-under is 51. I, got, I was watching that one, and just Temple cannot score. Temple is captured in this year. Yeah, they have no offense. There's nothing left in the tank <laughs> of those guys. Unless you're thinking Tulsa scores, you know, 45 points themselves. I don't see them hitting the over on that one. So I think that's when you look at the under at and take it because Temple just, they haven't scored in double digits in weeks, and there's no reason to believe they will now because what are they doing? Yeah. Yep. That's so. right. I like it. Rob, anything? Um. Kentucky is playing New Mexico State with a spread of about 36 and over-under 59.5. I'd probably take the over on that one. Um, Kentucky's, you know, not not a bad team this year for once, right? Um, and New Mexico State's 1-9. and nine. And I still don't understand how these SEC teams are playing teams like New Mexico State this late in the season. But, you know. Um, and New Mexico State just played Alabama last week. Yeah. I mean, Boston this 56. is... This is abs- exactly so. I mean, a 36 point spread. Um, I think you know we'll we'll call Kentucky my Kansas this week. All right, that sounds good. I've got a, a few out there. Um, I think Cincinnati probably wins again, but they're only it's down to ten and a half with SMU. But I could still see the Mustangs hanging within ten points of Cincinnati. I just don't think the Bearcats have it in them to blow anyone out at this point. Um, the Wake Forest Clemson game is intriguing to me. Wake is getting four and a half points. I know it's Clemson, but I just think Wake's probably a better team. I don't know. I'm I'd be really intrigued to watch that game because Wake looks like the better team. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Um, I am probably going to take Alabama probably at 21 for the game over Arkansas and definitely for that first half spread like usual. And then another one that's uh, I've I've been eyeing is uh, a little bit later in the day, and it's Oklahoma State, who is just going under the radar here. This keeps on winning uh, and, and winning big at times, only get uh, being a 10.5-point favorite over Texas Tech. Um, this is in Lubbock, and uh, Texas Tech did cover last week at home, but I, I think uh, the Pokes may have enough to, to win by more than 10. So. I think one other game, too. Oh, sorry, Boomer. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, speaking with the Big 12, the other one I was thinking of was uh, our good friends at the, uh, you know, the Fighting Fruit Loops of Kansas. They're a 21.5-point underdog to TCU. I mean, that's a lot of points for, you know, a TCU team that's not playing for a whole heck of a lot in Kansas coming up with a win. I mean, geez, you might consider that. That's a lot of, you know. 
That's, ended that's up that's 20 and a half. That's about that's a lot of points. Yeah. Oh, is that what you're going for, too, Rob? Oh, that was, that was too. And I was like, wow, Excellent. you know, for once, I might go opposite day on Kansas and actually take Kansas <laughs> to cover. Um, possibly take Kansas. I mean, the money line on this is Kansas at plus 809. So even if you Ooh. threw down like 10 bucks on that and Kansas wins, you're still winning yourself uh, $80 on that. So, you know, it's uh, the payout's around 90 So, I mean... I'm taking Kansas on this one. I might actually throw Kansas on the on the money line and throw another one out on the spread and just kind of you know hedge my bets on that one. But um, yeah, four and six TCU against two and eight Kansas and Kansas coming off a big win like that. It's you know this is this is it, man. This is where Kansas turns it around for me. All right, all right, sounds good. All right, guys. Uh, anything else that we need to cover? No, I think I did pretty well considering we came to the show just totally depressed and with no idea what we were doing. So always good to yeah, talk football. And I just wanna I just wanna send out my thoughts and prayers to to Honky. I hope he's I hope he's doing okay at home tonight. I really missed him on the show. Um, you know, we could have used some of his insight on the on the coaching situation at Nebraska, but you know what? Every day is a good day to take a mental health day and just do a self check. So I hope you're doing it good out there, buddy. <laughs> And it's a team podcast. We're all here to rely on each other. It's, you know, that's right. That's, that's, that's why it's right. Well, it's the culture we've established, boomers. The exactly. If there, that's the if there was ever a, a time where he needed his friends, it's now. But, you know, he decided to take the night off, and, and that's okay. That's all right. All right, guys. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, let's get out of here uh, and call that a Go Big Red cast. Go Big Red.